Infrastructure is important to a city. It helps to shape and define it. When you travel, you notice the buildings and physical structures and how the urban planning committees of old decided how to put what where. Things change over time, and some structures and buildings serve rotational purposes. Sometimes those purposes are related, like when a former fast food joint becomes a place to get local, customized favorite bites. And sometimes those purposes are completely unrelated, like when your favorite po' boy place becomes a high-rise. Such is the case with a certain building in Fort Worth, Texas. What is now the former LSP Can Company building was once a boxing ring, a site for boxing matches, an auditorium, a base for an engineering firm, and even just a place for storage for the famous Leonard Brothers department store. Strange arrangement of disconnected purposes for this building. The strangest of them all, however, was the first use for the building. The now abandoned structure for seven years of its early life was the headquarters and home to one of the most famous and strongest organizations in the country of its time the KKK. Howdy, y'all. That greeting means that I am still in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> uh, since last week, though, I have upgraded from a closet. Thank you, Amazon. So how you like me now? Uh, you are tuning in to Meanwhile on the Farm, and I am your host, Corey. Um, now, I recently found out that there is a podcast called Meanwhile Back on the Farm. So if you're here for him, you will be disappointed or maybe not. I don't know. But Meanwhile on the Farm uh, is a podcast dedicated to getting back to the subject at hand. Each episode, I find a story or situation or issue, usually current, and explore it at the intersection of race. I take that story, situation or issue, unpack it and then offer you some actual things that you can do to take action right from where you are try to bring some hope back into situations because it's easy to get defeated yeah then after i talk about that i bring up an individual or group of individuals who are actively doing some things right so i've been wondering something as of late uh what is an adult like what is it is it somebody that pays bills or lives on his or her own like for real what is an adult like that question was asked to me a few weeks ago and it had me questioning my whole existence like am i an adult <laughs> The dictionary says an adult is a full grown or fully developed individual. Now, according to my mother, I ain't grown until she says so. So she still ain't told me. So maybe I'm not grown. I have some problems with that definition. Y'all hear me trying to argue with the dictionary? <laughs> a mess. Uh, OK, so today's episode is kind of interesting. I mean, they all are. But this one in particular uh, piqued my interest. It was brought to my attention by a buddy and writing partner of mine, Christian Zuber. Now, he's big into politics and government and is actually responsible for my involvement in that whole world. Um, admittedly, I used to think that I had no business being in politics or understanding it. But through working with him and his friendship, I've come to realize that it's kind of my responsibility and duty to be involved in politics, especially as a black man. So thanks, Christian. Um, anyways, he sent me an article about this building in Fort Worth. By the way, he's always sending me stuff that makes me mad. So if I ever seem mad about things, it's his fault. <laughs> now, um, I'm not here in Fort Worth for this story, but I just so happened to be here when he sent me the article and he didn't even know that I was here. Um, and I thought I would do some digging and I couldn't really shake it all that much. Now, I just want to say before we start ripping into all of this, that I think the people of Fort Worth, at least the ones with whom I've interacted, are warm and friendly people. They're inviting. They're very kind, very nice, helpful. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't races in Fort Worth. There may be just like three aisles over in whatever grocery store in which you shop. 
that could be racist. Uh, I'm saying that to say that while I'm going to bring up some pretty ugly things about Fort Worth, this isn't an anti-Fort Worth episode. I'm just presenting some history with the hopes of leveling up on the side of accountability and, of course, action. So somebody get me an I love Fort Worth t-shirt today. No, just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Unless you want to. Um, also, there's going to be a little cussing in this episode. Before I start talking about the building, you know I love a good bit of history. I didn't always. Miss Bernice can attest to that. So I want to present two pieces of history to help set this up. First, the history of, of course, Fort Worth. Fort Worth is the fifth largest city in Texas and the 13th largest city in the United States. Fort Worth was established in 1849 on a bluff overlooking the Trinity River as an army outpost. Um, it was named after the first ship in the U.S. Navy, the USS Fort Worth. It was established to protect settlers after the Mexican-American War from Mexicans and also to reinforce protection from Native Americans because, you know, it's not easy being kicked out of your home and being lied to and told, I was here first. Today, Fort Worth is the home to the stockyards. Billy Bob's is there, which is a country music venue. Celebrity chef Tim Love of Iron Chef America and Top Chef Masters operates multiple restaurants in the stockyard neighborhood. Fort Worth also has a downtown area bordered by Henderson Street on the east, Trinity River to the west, Interstate 30 to the south, and White Settlement Road to the north. Yes, you heard that right. Now, as an FYI, the name White Settlement was actually given to that area by the natives because that's what natives were calling the area where the white settlers gathered because they were surrounded by natives because it was the native's land first. In 2005, the city of Fort Worth actually proposed to change it to West Settlement, but that notion was rejected 2,388 to 219. But today, Fort Worth boasts Art Deco, a mostly Christian city, it's along the Bible Belt, and Bass Hall, which is a beautiful theater in downtown Fort Worth. And I've been lucky enough to perform there twice with the National Tour of Chicago the Musical. According to the 2010 census, the racial composition of Fort Worth's population was 61.1% white, non-Hispanic whites, 41.7%, 18.9% black or African-American, 0.6% Native American, 3.7% Asian, 0.1% Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander, 34.1% Hispanic or Latino of any race, and 3.1% of two or more races. So that's a little boom, boom, pow about Fort Worth. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot. But so the building. This building has been abandoned for about 20 years. Some accounts say 14. I guess it depends on who you ask and what counts as being occupied. So we'll say at least 14 years. The last company to be in the building extensively was the Ellis Pecan, 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 Pecan Company. I don't know as a pecan processing plant. They got the building in 1946 and left in 1999. There was a local to Fort Worth engineering firm that was in it for a very short while and they wanted to fix it up, but that didn't happen. Now this building has been put on Fort Worth's annual endangered properties list. This was in an article from the Star-Telegram. It was supposed to have been renovated by the Texas Ballet Theater, but it was too expensive. It seemed like Everyone wants to repurpose this building. 
The space, which is located at 1021 Main Street, had an original building there in 1920, but in 1924, Earl Glasgow, who was a member of the Clavern himself, designed an identical one with a 4,000 seat auditorium. The reason why the endangered properties list exists is to make the city of Fort Worth aware of historic buildings that are in jeopardy of being demolished and lost for good. Now, I just want to point out that the KKK didn't get a real estate agent and go look at some buildings and decide, hey, you know what? This one's pretty cool. Oh, and it was designed by a bigot like me. Cool. We'll take it. No, this building was designed for them. And according to some reports, it may be the most historically notable clan hall remaining in the country. Going back to the reason why it's on this list, there's a report from the city staff that says that this hall, this building is believed to be the only purpose built Ku Klux Klan structure in the nation. So it has a high degree of uniqueness and national significance. In other words, because the Klan did what they did here and there's no other building like it, it should be preserved for the nation as a historical landmark. The question is, do we care about that? Is it a landmark that needs to be remembered? The fact is, it might be the only building like that of its kind. How secretive and sleuthy. Guess again. The secret society of the KKK in Fort Worth was not so secret. This is an account found on the Hometown by Handlebar website. All right. This is the second part of history into which I'd like to dive. Fort Worth's strong connection to the KKK. The KKK organization, which started in the mid to late 1800s as a whole, was established before Fort Worth's chapters were formed. Yes, with an S. There were three separate branches of the KKK in Fort Worth. There was the traditional branch for the straight white men, there was the branch for their wives, and then there was the branch for the youths ages 17 to 21. Because you know, you needed some training wheels as a baby racist before you became a full-out racist. The KKK arrived in Fort Worth in the early 1920s, thus the occupancy of the building. We all know this, but the sole purpose of the KKK was, and still is, don't even act like they still don't exist, ideas can live on well past the death of an entity. The purpose was and is to restore white supremacy because apparently, black people getting their freedom was all too much for them. It formed shortly after Juneteenth, which we celebrated last month. So this organization was formed. They wanted white supremacy. They wanted 100% Americanism and the purification of politics and strict mortality and enforcement of prohibition, accent on the white supremacy. So you probably guessed that they wanted to lump a few other people up in there as well. Hello Catholics, hello Jews, hello foreigners, hello gays. Well, goodbye actually. The Fort Worth Klan was arranged in 1916 when a police commissioner by the name of Hugh Jameson directed assistant police chief George Collar to, quote, organize a Ku Klux Klan to head the fall festival parade Halloween night. Makes sense, right? I mean, they already had costumes looking like a bunch of pointy head marshmallows. Well, good old George did what he was told, and naturally he went with the individuals who were closest to him, other police officers. In fact, most, if not all, of the first men that George of the Racist Jungle collected were Fort Worth police officers. So that parade happened with the mayor of Fort Worth in the front with police commissioner Hugh and a small group of uniformed policemen followed by a group of Klansmen. Y'all, in robes and hoods on horseback. Oh look, it's the mayor and all the rest of the people that I'm paying to protect and serve me being all chummy chummy with some racists at the parade. Hey, throw me some beads or a burning cross. 
Pump the brakes, Corey. Could have just been a Halloween costume. You're right. Could have been. But it wasn't. The Fort Worth clan was really good at keeping itself out of the headlines for a while. So people knew they existed, but they were only a rumor. Like Area 51. Too soon? My bad. <laughs> In fact, they were called the Invisible Empire. Now, I'm rolling my eyes here. But this is the type of rumor I'm talking about. December 22nd, 1920. 20 mask-wearing men pulled a prisoner, Tom Vickery, a man who shot a police officer to death, from his cell and hanged him from a tree and then pumped his body full of bullets. The rumor was that it was Klansmen. Nobody was indicted. A year later, a black man who had been hospitalized after being beaten during a confrontation with striking packaging plant workers was, by at least 25 mask-wearing men, pulled from his hospital bed and hanged from the same tree as the other guy. The rumor was that it was a Klansman. Nobody was indicted. People were being tarred and feathered. No, literally, tarred and feathered. The rumor was that it was Klansman. No one was ever indicted. What do we say to that? At this time, I'd like to propose a toast, 1921 style. Settle all, settle. Thank you all for gathering around. Loved it to see you, George. That Fort Worth white supremacy looks mighty nice on you, I might say. And congratulations on a most excellent pair of lynchings. You gotta tell me about them later. But for now, a toast. I, Colonel William Joseph Simmons, leader of the Second National Clan, founded on Thanksgiving, I might add, would like to proclaim the perpetual reign of all the native-born white men in America. Thanks be to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, from whom all blessings flow. And they all said, white man. I mean, amen. The building, Corey. The building. I'm going to get to it. I promise. By 1922, the clan in Fort Worth had evolved to Clavern 101 and was the strongest in the country. Like if there was a white supremacy award, Clavern 101 would have probably been making an acceptance speech. But by this time, it was more than just police officers. It was civic leaders, city government, clergy. I say clergy. And another name for clergy is church folk and women. The total? 6,000 members. 6,000 Catholic chasing, Jew hating, black lynching, foreigner torching, gay bashing members of the Klan. So you see, the Klan was anything but an invisible empire. They were out in the open. It was just, quote, hard to tie them to violence. Now, there was an organization that at that time that was giving money to charities and helping the needy widows financially and giving pastors and churches honorariums. They were providing summer camps for poor kids. This organization even had a baseball team. Now, that organization was the Klan. Surprise. So by day, we have these hate-filled people doing good. And by night, they f***ing some sh up. And as time went on, they normalized that shit. Like these men were walking around in their robes at funerals, sitting on stages with reverence in hoods and masks. So this was no secret. This wasn't hidden. This was out there in the open for everyone to see as a message, as a symbol. They weren't hiding who they were. They were proud. 
they endorse certain people for office. And you can take two guesses as to what these candidates would have to stand for and represent in order for them to be endorsed by the Klan. It got to the point where there was a Klan day at the Fort Worth Stock Show and State Fair in Dallas. But the rumors were still rumors, yes? They were, until April 3rd, 1921. A black man had sex with a white woman. He was whipped and branded. You know what I mean when I say branded? Like a cow. A report was released and it said law enforcement wouldn't investigate. I wonder why. The Dallas County Sheriff, Dan Harston, said, The men who attacked the Negro were good citizens, I feel convinced, and I'm satisfied with their treatment of him. He no doubt deserved it. This is the sheriff, the man with power, badge, and gun. Not sure why I'm shocked. I'd like to take this time to bring this back to present day. I am not anti-police, but I need for everyone to please consider the fact that this mentality is still alive and well today. Eric Garner. Oh, sorry. Allergies. <laughs> Must be this Texas pollen. Do y'all know one of the biggest reasons why the police exists? I'll dissect that in another episode. Where was I? Oh, yeah, this bullshit. The not-so-invisible empire. There were people who were opposed to it and people that tried to fight against the organization. Full-page ads were taken out in papers for anti-Klan meetings. In response to the ads, the Klan inducted nearly 1,000 new members complete with a ceremony that included a burning cross. Now we bring it on home to the building. On May 19th of 1929, Clavern 101 laid the cornerstone for a new lodge hall at 1021 North Main Street. Two preachers, a state senator, and Mrs. Bloodworth, who was over the women's auxiliary section of the clan, all attended. So kind of them. This building was used for meetings, of course, but it was also used for entertainment, like Harry Houdini. Yeah, the escape artist. Now I want to ask a question. What else do you think happened in that building? What kind of activities? Who walked in, but was dragged out? If those walls could talk. Whew. In November of that same year, just hours after the Klan was rehearsing a minstrel show, you know, the last episode we talked about blackface? Well, guess what? <laughs> just hours after rehearsal, the hall was set on fire. It was a faulty electrical system. Now, I really wanted it to be someone who was like anti-Klan, who just decided to burn it down. But alas, it was just because of a lack of correct wiring. Wait, but what about the minstrel show? Without the hall... How would the rest of Fort Worth see such a riveting, chauvinistic, partisanic, sectarian, racist, sexist, homophobic, dogmatistic, warped, jingoistic performance? J. Frank Norris of First Baptist Church to the rescue. Excuse me. Pastor J. Frank Norris of First Baptist Church to the rescue. Come on over to the church and perform it in the auditorium. All are welcome. Except for you, darky. And you, Jew. And you, foreigner. And you, gay. But everyone else, plenty o' room for your hate. Don't forget to sign the guest book on your way out. In February, during a church service, two clansmen in robes gave Pastor Norris some flowers. Happy Valentine's Day. Probably because they was friends 
and stuff. So they were in a new building, but a few years later, membership was dying out because of a kidnapping, rape, and death of a white woman. Pause. I would be doing everyone a disservice if I said that the decline only happened because of the attention to the case. And the only reason why attention to this case happened is because this lady was white. Now, you don't think they were raping black women? Slave owners were raping black women. It was happening to black women, but nobody cared until it happened to a white woman. I need you to know this. Unpause. The Klan sold the building to the Leonard brothers. I mentioned them earlier with the department storage. And by 1929, it was just called the North Main Street Auditorium, and they held dance marathons there. People still wanted it to be a Klan hall, though, because sometimes it's hard for people to just let go and say goodbye. How do I say goodbye to what we had? The good time. In 1946, it was purchased by the Ellis Pecan Company, and now the building is destitute and empty, awaiting demolition. Possibly. We'll get back to that. So who owns the building now? Sugar Plum Holdings of Fort Worth are the current owners, and if it were up to them, the building would be demolished. Sugar Plum is owned by another company with ties to billionaire Jeffrey Raynor. Now, it's costing them money at this point with getting fines and enforcement warnings to secure the broken windows and such on the property. They purchased the building in 2004. Now, how much would it take to make it even functional? According to Sugar Plum Group, eight to 10 million just to bring it up to functional. That's a lot of money, which is one of the reasons why it's still sitting there. But the building is on prime location, okay? That area of Fort Worth is developing majorly. Uh, The building will overlook downtown from the water's edge after the Trinity River flood control and development project is completed. Now, again, they'd actually like to demolish the building, but they can't. In their application for demolition, the engineer's report says that there is, quote, no particular reason the building was built on North Main Street. There's a Fort Worth engineer by the name of John Millett who was hired to defend the demolition of the building and assess the building's history. In his report, he spells it the Clue Klux Klan. So we might need John to have several seats. So the owners want to tear it down, but because of the historical thing, they can't. The building went before the board to decide what was to be done. Save it or destroy it. Now, I... (laughs) I went inside the building like some kind of investigative reporter, which I am not. And at first I was only on the outside, but I couldn't help but get a closer look. So I went in. There was a um, little opening in the fence and I just went in and the loading dock door had like a little slit in it and I crawled in between and went in. Now the whole time I was cussing Christian out. (laughs) Okay. Not going to lie. I was definitely affected. And there was this typical horror story, you know, birds flying across and then the jump that happened. Um, I might have soiled myself, <laughs> but I went in because I'm curious. Now, I posted the photos on the meanwhile on the farm Instagram if you want to see them. But I got chills in this place and not good ones. I remember at one point I felt the hairs on my body stand up and I'm not trying to be dramatic at all because 
I was absolutely trying to not be scared, but I felt like I was being watched by both groups of people, like the blacks and, and, and the whites, like the, the whites and the oppressed. Um, knowing what happened there was a lot. And at one point my body was tense and my jaw was clenched. Um, when I was inside, I was afraid to make noise, not because I was trespassing, <laughs> but because I didn't want to interrupt that vibe, if that makes sense. Now, I'm not sure if you are a spiritual person, but I am. And what I felt walking around in that space was palpable. Now, I've been fortunate enough to run across a great number of people since I've been here. One of those people is Jacquanisha, who works in downtown Fort Worth. Now, I had my podcast equipment on uh, the counter where she worked and she asked what it was. And I told her Then I mentioned this story and she leaned over to me and shared her opinion. Her opinion. Tear it down. Here is a part of my interview with her. I. I'm one who would think that it needs to be torn down. Okay. Not just because it was a KKK building, uh -huh. but because of the fact that you have this this building that has been just like cotton fields, all right, right? We can't work on cotton fields. You know, now it's against the law for us to go out and pick cotton. Right. Which was a long time ago we had to do this for free. Yeah, you know. Right. This building is is uh, a part of uh, history that hurts us. It, it hurt us, you know. It's, it's right. just like keeping up a tree that the KKK hung us from for many years. That's that's the same thing to me, you know. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't have a, a tree sitting in the middle of this fucking place if if you had thousands of black folks hung from it. Right. 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 They burned people in that building. They dragged them and they killed them and they did a lot of stuff to them in that building. Mm -hmm. This you can't make this building have a lot of blood in it. You can't make this building something positive when so much negative stuff went on in it. Right. Now if it was a regular building where KKK was just doing their little meetings and having their little things in there, right. that would be fine to me. I don't give a fuck about the KKK to be honest. I don't give right. a fuck about what they're doing and how many buildings they have. Right. But you have blood, our blood in this building. Do you think we're just going to be okay with this building still standing? I feel like the, when the shit was going down, the building should have been burned and tore down. Right. You know, I'm not just right. saying it now because it's, it's modern days. That building should have been gone a long time ago. She then talked about a church that was a predominantly black church that was torn down. It was built in the 1800s and there were a lot of petitions to keep the church up, but it was actually torn down. She continued. How can you go inside of a building where your people was beaten and burned and killed? How can you go inside of there? The, every time you step inside of that building, you're going to think about everything that has happened in that building. I don't care how many colors you put on the walls or how many shines you put on the floor. It's still going to be the same thing that happened in that building. Now, if you tear that building down and put up something new, you can't see what ha has happened inside the building, but you know what happened on this land. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, yeah. It's a difference because bullshit happened on every piece of land here in Texas. You know, right. we can't do nothing about that. But this building is we're going to know we're going to feel a different kind of way when we walk into that building. She was really fixed on the church. So she talked to me about it a little bit more. And the the church I know was fighting hard uh, to keep they 
their business up because I seen, I remember seeing them for days out there and it was on the news and, you know, and then everybody stopped talking about it, but then um, it was still on Facebook and, you know, the people were still fighting about it, but then it was gone. And then I can't even Google something and see, you know, what church it was because now that it's gone, it's not talk, being talked about no more and it's not on Google anymore. And, you know, I Googled it for you so yeah. that you could look it up and yeah. um, do your research as well. Yeah. So you can put that in your yeah. video or whatever. I tried to find it too. Yeah. yeah. And and it's not popping up. And I feel like that's crazy as fuck. Uh -huh. uh, a building that's been here since the 1700s is fucking, is, is down and it's forgot about. It's, gone. Yeah. It's, it's just gone, you know. Yeah. And I feel like that's, to me, I feel like a lot of our history is being wiped the fuck out. So now it's time for us to push back. Right, right. That's basically what I'm doing too. I'm pushing back. Yeah. I don't want the shit up. And that's why I don't want the shit up too, because they white and I'm black and I'm against everything they're doing. <laughs> she thinks there needs to be pushback from blacks in order to have the building torn down. Right. I feel like everybody I spoke to about this building and you know what's crazy? Before you came even came to talk to me about it. I have been seeing this building everywhere, and I see people posting it, and I see people talking about it. But why are these same people not standing up? You feel a certain way about it. You need to say something because every 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 mouth counts, you know. And I feel like everybody says, "I we don't want the building in our city. It was here, and this has been here for years. Right. And it needs to fall now. It's you know, it, it had its time." Why you didn't, why y'all been couldn't come and build something right there? Why y'all want to build something right there? Because we talking about knocking it down. Right. Then she brought up a very interesting point. I don't care. We need to protest and take that building down. Because guess what? If it was a building where we did this to their people, that building wouldn't still be standing there, don't you think? That building would have been gone long time ago. No matter what we wanted to put right there, that building would have been gone. Our thoughts wouldn't have counted. They wouldn't care what we wanted. Right. And it and it gets like that. And, and every time we want something, we don't we, we just and they say no, we fine with them saying no. Or if they say yes, we fine with their final answer. They they have the final answer. And I'm tired of it being like that. I'm thirty years old and I keep seeing um us being torn down by them time after time after time. Then she ended by giving me this final thought. I won't go in the building, but I'm scared to go in the building. What if it's cockroaches in the building? But I won't go in the building, though. I won't see how I feel when I walk in there. Because when, okay, so when you driving through Louisiana, right? Before uh -huh. you get to Faraday, Louisiana, you get cotton fed. Yeah. If you looked up history like I looked up history, I feel that. Do you mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel it. <coughs> I feel it as if I was there. You know, I feel like I have an old soul because when I when I feel it, I, I really feel it. When I, I walked through the cotton fields and I stood there and I was like, I couldn't breathe because I felt what we was out there feeling. Do you understand what it feel like to have your child out here picking cotton and you can't do nothing? When right now today, if our child was outside picking up trash off the ground in the heat, we're going to be pissed the fuck off. We're going to be like, I don't know, baby, let me get that. But for you not to be able to help your own child, and you know what I'm saying? You got to watch your child go through something go through something so fucking rough. You know what I'm saying? They don't know what that feel like. So how can they even tell us that we can't feel a certain way? You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't like that. You telling me I can't feel a certain way about you putting this building up. You're claiming you making this building a better better for me. 
you're not. It's not better for me. It's not gonna make me feel no type of better until y'all knock that building down. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's not making it better. You're not healing the wound. You only open reopening the wound. Because when people step back into there, they're gonna remember everything that happened when when it was a building. You know what I'm saying? They're not gonna look at this building like okay, say like it was an old Jack in the Box right there, and they take that Jack in the Box and put it um as a fucking Walmart. You know what they're going to say? Oh, that's the old Jack in the Box. They're not going to say, oh, that's the new Walmart. That's not what they're going to say because people know that there was a Jack in the Box right there once before, so they're going to keep on calling it the same Jack in the Box. You see what I'm saying? I did. I did see what she was saying. And it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jack Onisha said a lot of great things and I unfortunately couldn't put all of it in there because then it would be a longer interview because I talked with her for about an hour. Um, but she really made me think. There's a pastor, Billy Ray Daniels, he's black, who shares Jacquanisha's sentiments. Uh, I attempted to reach out to him, but I never heard back. Now, he's important because there was a vote to wait on the demolition of this building. In his opinion, with what the building stood for, the historic uh, nature of what went down there, there is no recovery. Throw the whole thing away, like she was saying. He was outvoted four to one. But what was the vote for? Not just the demolition. There was a group that wanted that vote to happen. There's an organization that requested that the demolition be delayed by 180 days because they want to save the building. What they want to do with the building is pretty radical and maybe, according to Jacquanisha, Pastor Daniels, and so many others who share that opinion, a bit too controversial. In part two of Fort Worth It, I talked to the leader of that organization, and he'll tell us exactly why he thinks this building needs to be saved. But Corey, the action steps. Okay, for those of you that are craving some action items, here are a few. Now, they don't have anything to do with today's story, but you can still do them. These steps will also be found on the Meanwhile on the Farm Instagram page. Number one, we still out here fighting for the kids. Every day, about 122 immigrant youth, immigrant meaning legal, will lose their protection from deportation. Congressional leaders are going to meet soon to discuss the spending bill that must be passed to keep the government running. When they do, we want to make sure they hear our message loud and clear. Any spending bill that does not include the DREAM Act is a vote for the deportation of immigrant youth. We need Congress to step up and pass a clean DREAM Act. And you can help. Call your congressman. Okay, there's a script. Short, simple, really, really easy. Number two, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. You've heard me talk about these guys before, um, but go to their website and purchase a Families Belong Together t-shirt or Schools Not Prison t-shirt. It all supports. That's an easy way you can do that. Number three, still with the ACLU, sign up for the newsletter and stay informed. They're always posting updates and sending action items as well. So that's another way you can get involved and help to evoke change. Number four, look up Al Otro Lado and volunteer with them. Al Otro Lado, which is Spanish for the other side, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization incorporated in California. From a statement on the website, um, we are a binational direct legal services organization serving indigent deportees, migrants, and refugees in Tijuana, Mexico. The bulk of our services are immigration related. 
However, the needs of the people we serve are diverse, so we also coordinated with attorneys and non-legal professionals in a range of areas such as family law, labor law, criminal law, particularly post-conviction relief, and employment law. We also assist families with aspects of reunification in Mexico when it has been determined by the U.S. authorities that it is in the best interest of the child to live with his or her parent in Mexico. Uh, we work with non-custodial deported parents to ensure their rights as parents are protected in the United States family court system. Al Otro Lado welcomes volunteer attorneys, doctors, mental health professionals, tech professionals, social workers, and any other individual who is passionate about immigrant rights. So pick two or all of these things to dig into and help shape the world, this world, your world, someone else's world. All right, and now it's time for some right stuff. Okay, so a few episodes ago, I released a cry for help asking uh, y'all to help me name this segment. Now, I previously decided on the good stuff, but I always felt conflicted about it because it was all good. Like learning how you can take action is good and you actually taking action is good. And a friend of mine, Mr. Danny Miller and his beautiful wife, Rochelle, came up with the right stuff. So I think I'm going to call it the right stuff. Also, it's a play on my last name. So that's fun. Um, today's bit of right stuff comes from right here in Texas. Now, I found this in Essence magazine. Two brothers, Shane and Nigel Mushambi, uh, 13 and 12 respectively, have just opened their own bakery business. Talk about some black boy joy wrapped up in some black excellence with these two boys. Um, they've won local baking competitions three years in a row, and they started Two Bros in the Kitchen. That's the name of the business, Two Bros in the Kitchen, to take it to the next level. Not only are they running this business, but these two dudes are still in middle school and taking college level courses. As if that weren't enough, these two brothers also give back to their community. Uh, they provide meals to the homeless, toys for children and funds for medical care. They're currently working with the JB uh, Dundolo Foundation. I think I'm saying that right. To raise funds for much needed repairs to a hospital in Zimbabwe. Now, these brothers got it going on. They recently published the first book, Beyond the Kitchen, uh, How to Cook Up Success with Life Mistakes. So that's the name of the, the book, Beyond the Kitchen, How to Cook Up Success with Life's Mistakes, which is available on Amazon in paperback and via Kindle. If you want to support these entrepreneurs and purchase the book, you can do it at the number two bros, B-R-O-S, and then I-T-K, which is in the kitchen.com. Two brositk.com they are donating a dollar to the jb dondolo foundation for every book sold so by helping them you're also helping this particular um, hospital in zimbabwe these two brothers are super rad and i want them to be my friends and no not just because they can bake stuff and give it to me okay so cheers to you shane and nigel And that concludes part one of the Fort Worth It episode. Be sure to come find me next week for part two on Meanwhile on the Farm. It makes me feel good that we can share this time together. My friend Christian sent me this story and you can do the same thing. Meanwhile on the farm at gmail.com. If I can unpack it, I will. Let me ask you a question. 
Are you subscribed to Meanwhile on the Farm? If not, I think you should be. I mean, right now, Meanwhile on the Farm is on seven platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and whatever platform on which you're listening to this right now. If you like this episode, rate it and leave a review. Then share it with a friend who was born in the month before or after you. (laughs) So subscribe, rate, and share. If you want to see the photos of the building, go to the Instagram at meanwhile.on.the.farm. Go follow the account for some other things too, like midweek news and posts and, of course, uh, other action steps that you can take and the ones that I mentioned earlier. I am still a one-man show with researching and editing and recording, and that takes a good amount of time. So if you need a tax write-off, holla at your boy. (laughs) No, but seriously, no pressure. Either way, my passion is driving me. Again, I'm Corey. This was Meanwhile on the Farm. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all, there is a lot to be done in this world, and you can't do it all. So in those moments when you feel overwhelmed, stop, take a breath, and ask, what can I do right now? And do it. And remember, if you're silent, it speaks volumes. Peace.